Welcome to episode 40 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about some Jurassic Park-style butterflies, and I talk about a new hybrid with the best name. We also talk about some more flying favorites, and our animal of the week this week might be the coolest one we've ever talked about. Don't forget to check it out on our social media. And now... Let's fly into episode 40 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. Hello and welcome to the 40th episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your host, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new bundle of animals. It's yes, the bundle deal. Today's letter, not word, is N. <laughs> so we cheated. And yep. it's new. But that's okay. Anywho, this is our first week in our wild card month. Also, Casey, I'm so happy that we didn't just call it like our random month. Like, it's yeah. wild card. Um, <laughs> I didn't think of that till after. And it made me happy. Don't admit that. Bye. <laughs> I love it when I accidentally make puns and make <laughs> references. That's even better. Even better when you don't mean to do it. Uh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, um, so yeah, so Casey, um, this is this is a crazy month. There's no rhyme or reason to it, really. Mm-hmm. Although we seem to be very structured today, for yep. the most part, randomly. But anyway, what have you been up to since last I saw you? So recently, I was house-sitting for a family member, mm-hmm. was taking care of their dog, well, their daughter's dog okay. and her two cats. And is this like a she moved away and left the animals there, or she lives with them? So it's like the family. She house. technically, I don't know where she lives. She was in Italy with her husband wow. for a while. Okay. Yeah, because he's in like the navy. Like military, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And I think they're mo- they're moving somewhere. I think I don't know, but yeah, she couldn't. T- and they went on a trip to somewhere in California. I don't know. And they. Well, they took their own dog, but they didn't bring her dog for some reason. I don't know why. That's weird. So it's taking care of her and, and the other dog I'm used to taking care of, but she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. This dog is younger, a German Shepherd, more energy than what I was typically dealing with. <laughs> the other dog I didn't have to play fetch with. This one I have to because oh, she's younger. It has to get the exercise. zoomies out. Mm-hmm. Especially for a Shepherd. Yes, especially for a shepherd. For a shepherd to be cooped up and mm-hmm. restless. That's bad. Yeah. But I did take care of the cat, one of their cats before. Kitty. Yes, she was more affectionate towards me this time. Aww. That's like, so she could be iffy because I remember the first time I ever took care of her, if I ever tried to pet her, sometimes she'd be okay with them. Then other times, I'd like, Whoa, actually hiss. Wow. Okay. Yes. It's like that when you groom her too, because she'll like the brush mm-hmm. until she decides not to, and then she'll oh, turn her head. That, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a cat. You get like five brushes, and then you're done. How dare you touch me? That's yeah. just a cat, though. Not my last cats. They Some well, cats one like it, yeah. but I'm saying that is just a cat type attitude. Yeah, and then the other cat was a tortie, which is like my last cat. Mm-hmm. But she was very shy. It. She was. I don't know if she it was a birth defect or just how she was bred with. Um, but she had a brachiocephalic face. Is that squished face? Yeah. Okay. And so she had a very weird meow. Aww. Yeah. It's like, meow. Meow. Cute. Yeah. And she also had a hiss I could hardly hear because she was scared, nervous me. So one time she went, 
was like, is that your hiss? You're like, oh, honey, yeah. that's not. But yeah, the only real time I ever saw her was when I was feeding her or cleaning her litter box. She did let me pet her, though, when I fed her. That's good. Yeah. And then also while I was there, I was collecting insects, mostly from their big old orange tree. Okay. Which I found really cool because there was a lot of different insects because I have an orange tree at my house, but there's like nothing but ants, scales, and aphids. I just imagine you as like a five-year-old because like five-year-old, especially Biologists are people that never grew up. Obsessed with bugs. They're like, look at this cool bug I found. Yes, because like there's like, first off, there's, most of them were flies. Gift flies credits, they're very diverse and it's not just the ones that eat shit and land on your food. Okay. But, Some of them bite horses. They're a little ass. Yes, I remember one time it was like I didn't care if a fly landed on me, but one time I let one and it just and it's like, ow, it hurt like a, it was a horse fly. It's like yeah, they're about. Yeah, and of course they don't have an anti-septic or anticoagulant like um, mosquitoes do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just jab themselves in there. It's like awful. But um, yeah, one of the, it was cool because I saw these. I've never seen them before. They're long leg flies. It was a green fly and oh. they have long legs. Turns out they're predators of other insects. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, and also I didn't get a picture of this, but I really wanted to. I saw a little jumping spider, which are always cute. And it's like, I could see it was looking at like all the insects that were in the tree and oh. ready to pounce. And it's like, if you weren't so high, I could take such a great picture. Oh. And they're cute and it's like, it's like watching a little nature a, documentary. Well, no, you just did a full Disney princess there. <laughs> you literally went, oh, podcast listeners can't see it. But imagine Belle's pose. That's what you just did. You're like, they're so cute. You literally did this. They're cute. I can't help it. Spider. They're adorable. <laughs> and now you're doing like a five-year-old photo shoot. <laughs> but yeah, it's like you're... It, like, I see it like how people see, like, nature documentaries about lions, but they're just, like, tiny. Yeah. I just, I think it's the thought of them jumping on you that's a problem. Or just jumping and you don't know where they're going. Yeah. I, I remember I was trying to take a picture of a jumping spider and it jumped on my hand. No. That's a negatory. It's like, if you want a picture, I'll give you a picture. Yeah. Anyway. Um, good times. Did you, did you get more insects or you just looked at them? I collected a few um, into my collection. There was a um, aphid eater, which is another species of fly. They kind of look like bees. Okay. And I don't have anything to pin them, but I found a couple of parasitoids, ichneumotid wasps. Um, I can't identify species because you need much more training. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, when you're trying to identify, either you have to look for really tiny microstructures on them, or you have to do like a DNA analysis. Yeah, there's a group of parasitoids, like, they look identical to each other, so looking at them will help you know where, but they each parasitize a different kind of caterpillar, so what they do is they collect the caterpillars, barcode them to identify the parasitoids. Oh my gosh, (laughs) this is so much. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. Mm -hmm. All right, well, um, I had surgery since our last recording. I do remember this. Yeah, and that was fun ish <laughs> i do remember i guys like i'm pretty sure you talked about your anesthesia on the podcast and that apparently men come out and freak out every time yep i don't know what i did first but i do remember when i was definitely still out of it 
and she asked me what my pain level was, and I said, maybe an eight, something along these lines, maybe an eight, but maybe I'm just being a wimp because I just had surgery. <laughs> but it was like okay. almost like you're drunk because it's like the an eight, but maybe I'm just being a wimp because I just yeah. had surgery. I actually remember um, <laughs> the first time everyone was having pains. I didn't know it was because of my gallbladder. Yeah. At first, we thought my appendix burst. And I remember I went into the emergency room. They asked me for a scale of my pain. I yeah. was like a seven because I'm a man, so I am therefore a bitch uh, when it comes to pain. But that's probably right for that kind of Yeah. A... But like my dad was telling me later, it's like, no, it probably wasn't like a seven. It was like, dude. <laughs> I am about to punch you. Do not tell me what kind of pain I'm in. Oh, he thought it was less? Yes. Oh, at least you're honest, men, because yeah. most men, 10. It's a 10. It's a 10. I got a fucking paper cut. It's a 10. I will not know a 10 until I get one of those electrode simulators I on me. I want to try it so bad. I want them to do it on me first so I can make sure it's yeah. I can't compare it to the child. Yeah. But I can compare it to other things <laughs> and be like, okay, this is accurate. And then I just want to watch a guy almost pass out. Like, he's probably going to scream. There's going to be screaming involved. I love the videos where, like, men say, oh, it's not as, like, bad as, like, being hit in the testicles or anything. It's like, and then their wives put it onto them, and they can't even handle, they can't handle level three. And their level. wives lie. It's like when it's a level three, they say it's a level seven. <laughs> it's like it's too good. It's like you're such a wimp. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so um, so that was unpleasant, and I'm still healing from that. Mm -hmm. But um, and I had, I'm not gonna get into it because it's gross. But because of the the bandaging you have, I guess we'll mm -hmm. say it was very difficult to eat. So I literally had a drink soup out of a straw. For the first Ugh. couple days because you have this what's called a mustache gauze thing that kind of hangs in your ears like a mask but it goes under your nose mm. to catch blood and stuff because ah. obviously your nose is traumatized <laughs> and i couldn't get the spoon because the bottom of it is like at your lip your top mm -hmm. lips so i couldn't get the spoon of soup in my mouth without touching the bottom of that which was disgusting to me because i'm like ew this is not allowed to get soupy that's gross so i literally had to ask for a straw and then I would take a fork to like stab the chicken and like the carrots and stuff to eat my little soup. And, but then like a piece of like celery or whatever the hell's in that, like we get stuck on the straw. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I was like, this is so sad and pathetic. And the cat is very upset mm -hmm. because she wants to be in my room all the time, and I'm not letting her in because I'm not supposed to be around allergens. I can't actually mm -hmm. now. I can finally pick up. That's why we're recording because now I can finally pick up things over ten pounds. So I guess I could pick her up. Yeah. But anyway, she's not happy about the situation mm -hmm. at all. At all, at all. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid and broke my jaw, I had a... I was basically only drinking fluids. Yeah, well, that makes sense, though. This was just, like, difficult yeah. because of the situation, but... Mm -hmm. Anyway. Where did they do the incision, anyway? They just go up. They didn't have to, like... Ah! They literally like, just go up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the first thing... Like the mummies? Like, yeah. Basically. And they had to get I did not know that. a bone out. And he told me that when... Um, because I already, I'm still stuffed up because obviously everything's still swollen and mm -hmm. all that's going to take like a, probably a couple of months to be fully healed. But he was like, yeah, so the, also they ask you what you're in for. <laughs> Not what you're in for. That sounds like jail. <laughs> but like, why are you there? And I was like, basically sinus. There's like four different things that they did. And I'm mm -hmm. like, this is very technical. I don't know. You're fixing a deviated stuff and you're getting rid of the bone spur or whatever thing that's yeah. in there. But he said when he took that out. He was like, the text said, wow. And the text don't usually say, wow. And he was like, yeah, there's a reason this girl can't breathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember when when I got my follow-up after my surgery to get my gallbladder removed. I yeah. remember it's like, 
They were telling me it was incredibly inflamed yeah. and filled with sludge. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely needed that out or else it probably would have burst. Yeah, and it would have been really, really bad. Yes. Yeah, so I wouldn't have died. It's just mm-hmm. painful. So I'm, I'm interested to see. It's definitely affected my voice a bit. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how it's going to go when that's healed and then also how I can breathe. Yeah. And if I don't get sinus infections all of the time, mm-hmm. that's the whole reason of getting this surgery. So, um, yeah, but... But yeah, so I uh, but I wound up binging because I couldn't do anything. The first few days, I literally just had to lay in bed because the headache was so bad because you have these splints in your nose, which I should have taken a picture of them when they took them out. They're mm-hmm. huge. Like, th- I, I don't know what animal. It's like a little caterpillar maybe. Like this long and like this, like a centimeter thick that is inside each, yeah, on each side. So the pressure in your head is crazy. And then they took those out, and it's like, oh, my God, the pressure is not this bad now. Yeah, so that was not, it was not cute. Wait, so, like, were they doing that sort of, like, by hand, or was it, like, a robotic surgery? I am sure they have, like, they have to obviously have, like, some sort of microscope or Mm -hmm. something in there to be able to see what they need to do, especially for the Yeah, because I had, like, my surgery was a robotic-assisted laparoscopy. I don't know if it was robotic assisted. Yeah. I didn't really look around the room. Mm-hmm. Also, I found out just before the surgery that I definitely had to be intubated, and I was not a happy camper. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because mm-hmm. Singer. <laughs> yeah. And he thought I wouldn't have to be. And then when the anesthesiologist came, I was like, okay, I just want to make sure. I was like, you know, if it's all avoidable, avoidable. he's like, it's not avoidable. <laughs> also, mm-hmm. it was just funny because, like, he was like, we were a healthy young woman, so it's fine. I'm like, I have not been referred to as young in a while. <laughs> and I guess, the, like, because mm-hmm. I'm heavy for where I usually mm-hmm. am. I'm like, I guess all healthy means is that I don't have diabetes or asthma or something like that happening. Because <laughs> I'm like, um, I can't do any of the stuff I used to do cardio yeah. Um But anyway, so yeah, it was interesting. But yeah, I basically laid in bed for the first few days and I just like had to keep my eyes closed because mm-hmm. like just having them open, which is why editing the podcast took longer than <laughs> I thought. Because I was under the impression that I'd go in and it'd be no big deal and I could edit that night. Mm-hmm. Incorrect. Sorry, yeah. folks. I was miserable for a few days. The worst thing with my surgery was, well, one of the worst things was the constipation for a few first few days. I didn't have that, luckily. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and I had to take you milk of magnesium. You had to take real meds, right? Yeah, I I got opioids. So I got, and... Um, but I didn't have to, t- I took very few of them. Yeah. But the worst pain was in my shoulder because that's typically from air getting into your body cavity for after, during the surgery. I wonder how long, how long was your surgery? I don't know. I don't remember. I feel like ours would have been close to the same amount of time. Yeah. They literally are just removing an organ and then patching yeah. it up. Yeah, but mine I'm was getting like, cut open. <laughs> mine was, yeah, your, yes. Yeah. But does the air get in your body cavity from the incision? I would assume so. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, that's very different. Never mind. Yeah. But that was the worst pain. It was like... Yeah. Worse than I was not feeling much down here except for the first few days, and that was only when I tried to use the restroom. Did you get the fun sore throat from the intubation. That's fun. You're probably in worse pain other places. You didn't notice it. Yeah, I didn't notice any pain in my throat. I had a sore throat. Yeah. For two days. Mm-hmm. It sucked. Yeah, and then of course to take care of the constipation, I had to take milk and magnesium. Mm-hmm. It's like drinking chalk. It's Ew. disgusting. That's because you're on real meds. Yeah. That's part of why I tried to avoid them as much as I could, because I did not want that problem. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. crazy fun times. But yeah, I uh, I wound up actually binging a lot of TV. And one one thing was um, national park stuff. But I'll get into that mm-hmm. another episode because we've spent enough time yes. on this. So um, <laughs> anyway, but heads up, people. Next episode, I will have some notes for you on some th- th- nature documentary things. Um, but 
We should get into what you want to talk about, Casey. Yes. Very on point today. So what <laughs> what did you want to talk about? We're talking about the Jurassic Park of insects. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So a little backstory. So this is specifically on the Xerxes blue butterfly. Okay. Yes, the scientific name is Glacopsyche xerces. It was a species of butterfly that is depicted in the painting Gone, which was made in 2004 by Isabella Kirkland. I'm not familiar. Yeah, it's a, it's a painting that depicts 63 species that have gone extinct since the 1700s. Oh, nice. And the butterfly I mean, is included. Nice, in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I remember I first saw it. It's like, where's the butterfly? And he's like, oh, there it is. It's so tiny. Aww, <laughs> I don't think it was to scale, though, because most of what they were, a lot of the focal points were like vertebrates and stuff. But it is suspected that it went extinct back in 1943. Okay. And it has the distinction of being the first butterfly species to go extinct due to human development. Yay! Yeah. Did we wipe out all of its habitat? Basically, the species depend upon butter... Not on butterflies. <laughs> on flowers yeah. in the genus Lotus and Lupinus. And the loss of these plants due to human development meant they had no food for right. the offspring. And, they died But, yeah, they were wiped out due to that. It was native to California, and the last one was seen at in the Golden Gate National Recreation Area hmm, okay. around San Francisco. Yep. There are still preserved specimens in some museums, including at the California Academy of Sciences, Bohart Museum, and Harvard Museum of Natural History. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that Harvard had a museum. Yeah. My university has an insect museum. Wow. Yes. We have a, we have a lot of bees. There are a lot of bees. So yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And fun fact, there is an invertebrate group, uh, invertebrate conservation group yeah. called the Xerxes Society, and it is actually, in fact, named after the Xerxes blue butterfly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I follow a lot of their stuff and watch a lot of their talks on YouTube and stuff. And now scientists are trying to bring it back from extinction. Mm. <laughs> We're going to be taken over by butterflies. Oh, my God. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. It's not even like the machines would turn on us. Mothra is real. (laughs) But like two inches. (laughs) Yeah. But enough moths and enough butterflies can mess up your day. True. But um, yeah, and as one may suspect, it is not getting as much attention as the scientists who are trying to bring back the woolly mammoth and passenger fishing. Obviously not. Yes, although I think it's cool. It is cool, but like obviously people want to see a woolly mammoth. I don't care. <laughs> I, I am very much an opponent of the extinction projects. By I, and large. I don't feel like any of them should come back. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So the effort is in part um, contributed by the Revive and Restore Conservation Group, which is I've talked about before because they were also responsible for the first cloning of the black-footed ferret. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's two main ideas that they are trying to bring back to Xerxes Blue. Okay. One, the first one I'm going to talk about is more simpler and it involves basically trying to help evolution. So basically there is an area being restored in San Francisco by the Presidio Trust, Mm -hmm. which is basically a conservation group that helps restore habitat that's been degraded or destroyed by human development. Okay. And there's other scientists that are trying to identify species that may be very closely related to the Xerxes blue butterfly. And their strategy is to identify one that has a genome similar enough to the Xerxes blue and then introduce it 
into the area that it was native to, and then eventually evolution will re-evolve the um, Xerxes okay. blue butterfly. Oh, okay, I see this, okay. Yeah, and a similar strategy was employed for, um, by British biologists when the large blue butterfly went extinct in Britain. Okay, but it still existed in other places. Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, a key aspect of this plan, though, is reconstruction of a complex ecosystem with various animal interactions. Well, that's challenging. Yes. Um, some promising signs, though. Uh, in 2019, a colony of silver digger bees was found in the area, and those haven't been found in San Francisco since 1928. Wow. Yes. Conservationists have also reintroduced multiple species other species, including mussels, butterflies, and deerweed. That's a plant, I'm assuming. Yes, deerweed is a plant yep. that was important for the Xerxes blue butterfly. Okay. And they're planning on introducing silvery blues, which is another species in the same genus, okay. um, to the restoration area to put their plant into action sometime this spring. Uh, the, this species is suspected to be the closest re extant relative of the Xerxes blue butterfly and is native to the Marina Dunes near Monterey Bay, which wow. is an area that has a climate similar to the restoration area that they're preparing. Gotcha, okay. <laughs> cold. Too cold for me, thank you. Yeah. The second method is much more complicated. Oh, boy. Okay. And involves genetic editing. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Pass. Not doing that one. Okay, so... Revive and Restore gave an $18,000 grant to the California Academy of Scientists... Um, back in 2020 to sequence the genome of the Xerxes blue and the silvery blue butterflies. Okay. So we're going to take a silvery blue and edit it? Yes, essentially. Now, they do have 400 specimens of Xerxes blues in their um, collection. So that's a significant amount of potential DNA samples to collect. Okay. And then, of course, silvery blue is still an extant species, so that's going to be easier to get a right. um, genome sequence. And plan afterward if they are able to sequence the DNA, which may I am skeptical of because DNA is very fragile and degrades easily after an extended period right, of time. That, yeah. yeah. So the plan afterwards, if they're able to actually sequence the genome, is to then use CRISPR to edit the genome of the extant silvery blue. Nope. <laughs> Not okay with it. But that requires more understanding of function of different genes that dictate the pattern of the wings, mm -hmm. and. There's going to, because it is an extinct species, there's probably going to be a lot of gaps in the genome because wow. there are species that are way more well-studied than these butterflies that have a lot of gaps. Fun fact, that in the human genome, there are only two um, chromosomes that have been sequenced that have no gaps. Wow. Yes. We must be the easiest thing to study. No, I would say probably Drosophila melanogaster. It's a fruit fly. It was the first model organism. They are probably the most well-studied. But um, How are they more well-studied than humans? Because we were genetically breeding, breeding them to make different genetic uh, oh. mutants for much longer. Oh, man. They also have far fewer chromosomes, though I don't think anyone's sequenced gapless chromosomes for that species. And being able to do so was, is only very recently possible because um, when we first sequenced the human genome in the Human Genome Project, which ended in 2003, we had to rely on a, a method called Sanger sequencing. It's very expensive. Okay. 
and it would be impossible to sequence a gapless chromosome using that method. That is only now possible because of next-generation sequencing methods like Illumina, and even not so much because that relies on short reads, so that especially if you have repetitive sequences in the genome, you're going to have a lot of gaps. The two where it makes it much more feasible are PacBio, which is a method where they essentially have a um, DNA polymerase enzyme, which is what adds the, <laughs> adds uh, yeah. the nucleotides to the DNA strand. Um, but that enables you uh, to make reads that are several thousand um, base pairs long. And then there's Nanopore, which very interesting, but it's more expensive. Um, basically, there's this, what's called a nanopore. It's made of proteins. And then there's yeah. electric current that runs through it. Okay. And then you feed the DNA into it. And then the disruption in the electric current, you can tell the sequence of the genome. And that is the um, one method of sequencing that would enable you to sequence the whole chromosome. It's so crazy to me. Yes. Like, it's cool that this has happened, but I'm like, what were these people doing when they discovered yeah. these things? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I learned a lot about genome. I take in genomics bioinformatics class, so I know. Because you got you can only get so many size reads from your DNA. Also, the problem is that these sequencing methods are good if you have, like, a haploid genome for just a single sequence. Okay. Problem is, we're mostly studying diploid organisms, so we can have different alleles for the same region of the DNA, and then that's one reason we get gaps. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like you're speaking Greek, but at the same time, <laughs> my brain is like middle school science class. <laughs> like, term, don't remember what it means. <laughs> Do know I learned about it a long time ago. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be very difficult. Is what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> and it's going to top cost several thousands of dollars, which I would say is much more fruitful to put towards conservation efforts of extant species. Yeah. Than bringing back this one. Yeah. I mean, it sucks that it's gone, but like mm -hmm. it's been gone for a long time. Yeah. So that's weird. Okay. Well, um, you know what, Casey? What? Some animals decide to spice things up themselves. <laughs> All right. That's my segue. Okay. <laughs> All right, folks. So we are going to talk about. I'm going to pull it up so I can actually face the microphone. Hang on. Um, I did not know this was a thing. Of course, Casey knew this was a thing. But there are, there's a not really a new species, but a hybrid called the Pizzly Bear. Okay, which makes me think of Pez Candy. But anyway, I also have not had. I've also that. heard them be called Roller Bears. No. No, it like can, it's stupid, shape. but like if you look like a liger, it depends on whether it's a male lion oh. with a female tiger. I think that's a liger, but then if you reverse it, it's, it's a tigon. Because usually, usually male dominates. Yeah, and I don't language. know why they make the distinction. There's no reason to do that. <laughs> yeah. A liger is a better word. You just go with what everyone sounds better, and that's what you go with. Yeah. So I, I like pizzly. I'm more a pizzly than a... I'm feeling roller. Okay, it's a flower different. <laughs> Apparently, I favor the polar bear. <laughs> but, so... No, course, you favor the grizzly because it has more grizzly in it. Pizzly, grizzly. Pizzly, it's usually going to be the male is the dominant thing. Whatever. In most language, that is how it works, which is stupid, but that's how it works. <laughs> so, anyway, folks, we all know that 
Now polar bears. I said polar bears. We know that polar bears are not doing well, thanks to us and our our ways and, and, and um, oh my gosh, global warming. Um, just struggling. Okay, there we go. But anyway, so what wound up happening here is that endangered polar bears are breeding with grizzly bears, creating the hybrid pizzly bears, in quotations, driven, of course, by climate change. So essentially, polar bears are coming further south, running into grizzlies, and they both have bad attitudes, um, but polar bears are really big. So yeah. what are you going to do? You going to tell the polar bear to... Very big. Yeah. You going to tell them to, to shove off? Probably not. <laughs> anyway. There's a saying, um, how you should respond to bears. Yeah. Um, it's um, brown, lie down, black, black fight, fight back, back. white, like, good night. <laughs> you're just done. Yeah. yeah. And if you've ever seen a video of him trying to get into that... Like, oh, that get into the... <laughs> yes. I was like, oh my God. I would have <laughs> shit myself. Dude, <laughs> like... I would have just had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, but which also made me sad because I was like, they're desperate. They won it so bad. Anyway, uh. but back to the Pisley Bear. So essentially, I mean, that's basically the, the nuts and the bolts of it. They're coming more south because of global warming and then breeding with um, grizzly bears. And, um, and that helps them be more suited to different environments, essentially. And then it goes on to talk about their different skulls and stuff and the fact that polar bears have a... A longer skull, apparently, that helps them get seals and stuff, but then grizzlies yes, eat they, like, everything. They're more torpedo shaped. Yeah, because they gotta get in the water and yeah. pull people out. But people, <laughs> well, they would pull people out. <laughs> if there was a person in the water, they'd probably go for that over a seal because we'd be a lot slower. Uh, um, yeah, but there's not as much fat. A lot fat. of their diet is fat. It's incredible how Maybe they can process an it. Overweight person swimming in the water. <laughs> mm. Anyway, but um, but grizzlies eat like anything, so it's kind of changing. Um, Obviously, their their buildup because <laughs> it's a hybrid. Um, also, the picture on this article is so cute, mm -hmm. and I guess they have some in captivity, which is weird. But yeah, some the non-accredited zoos will breed them intentionally. Of course, it's like circuses. Yeah, that's one of those things when you're a little kid you don't realize that that's super fucked up. Yeah, I remember when I watched Animal Planet, they showed a liger for first time, and it's like, oh, that's so cool. And it's yeah, like same. now me as a biologist, and it's like that's awful. <laughs> Yeah, when I go to the zoo, or not the zoo, but the circus, I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. But then you also find out the treatment of animals. I've never actually been to a circus, I think. I did when I was a little kid. Yeah. But now I wouldn't. I'd go yeah. to, like, people stuff, but not yeah. animal related. Anyway, I think in California now, we don't have circuses with animals anymore. We don't. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, but, um, yeah, so, so that, I mean, that's basically the nuts and the bolts of it. It's just interesting that they, they exist, and yeah. they're having to do that because of global warming. I'm curious, because they're relatively close to related, so I wonder if they're sterile. I don't know. Because then that could potentially lead to a new species. We'll find out Yeah. when they start breeding more. But yeah, this is a, something that happens a lot in evolution. It's like there's two separate species where as they drift apart, mm -hmm. they evolve to different environments to accumulate differences, and so right. they're those parts of the population could not interbreed, but then they get closer together and then there's this hybrid zone where there's a high frequency of hybrids that do better in that area than either two species. Interesting. Yep. Evolution and it's all weird. Yes. Everything is weird. Yeah, I took a course in evolution. It's like, it's very, like all biology courses are going to be aspects of evolution because nothing in biology makes sense without evolution. Right. And, um, but it goes, You'll learn a lot of like how much more complicated it gets with um, when you take an actual evolution course. Yeah. Like 
we don't have an exact definition, agreed upon definition for species that can be applied to everything. <laughs> oh my God. I think that's most science. There's always yeah. debate about everything. Yeah, anyway. uh, my professors always say biology, there's always exceptions. <laughs> it's like the English language. Yes. But are there more exceptions than ones that follow the rule? Anyway, so yes, so I present to you the Pizzly Bear. They're cute. I'll link the article. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not much more you need to know than that. It really is just a bare bones. Like, they're doing it. So you maybe see it. Probably not good to see a Pizzly because that's probably two really bad attitudes together that you don't want to deal with. Attitude of of a grizzly bear in the size of a polar bear. Bad news. Bad news. (laughs) How would you say it? Like, a Pizzly... You're dizzy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know what you say to that. Yeah, that doesn't go into the how rhyme. You, how do you add that in? <laughs> just, just still good night. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but we should move on to our favorites, Casey. Yes. And I chose, not gonna lie, based off your, one of your Aesthetics. choices. Oh, really? No, well, but yeah, but the category I chose based off oh. of next week's category. And I was like, well, fine, I'll do that, but pretty. Um, Oh, he's offended. I am. <laughs> okay. There are some pretty ones next week, but anyway. And you know what's you know what'd be so cute to watch a bear play with? And sometimes I think they have videos of it. They don't have puppies playing with them. But sometimes bears. I've seen a puppy eat one. Oh, and then good. the girl freaks out, it's like, no, Finley, no. <laughs> but sometimes bears play with them too, and it's really, uh. really cute. And we are of course talking about Butterflies or flutterbys, if you're weird like me. Sometimes you say that because you're weird. That's not like obviously a technical name. But anyway, Casey, tell us about your favorite butterfly. Yes. So we actually talked about my favorite as an animal of the week. You can't talk about that again. I'm not. Oh, okay, good. Okay. I'm just saying. Go listen. Yes. Blue butterfly back in. Listen to that episode because it's one of the coolest animals we've ever done. I think that was Europe. Anyway. Yes, it was Europe. Okay, great. Yep. But yes. The butterfly I chose for my favorite instead is the moth butterfly. Okay. That's weird. Yes. It's hairy. Hence the moth part. So strange. Okay. Yes. Tell us about them. Yes. So its scientific name is Lyphera brassolis. Okay. Yep. They belong to the family of Lysanidae, commonly, which are commonly known as gossamer winged butterflies. Do not ask me what gossamer winged but means because I do not know. And I've never heard any of these species called gossamer winged. I feel like gossamer is a um, fabric, so I feel like it has to do with the pattern probably. Oh, that makes sense now. <laughs> what, what? Theater girl in the house. That was so... <laughs> I can't. Yeah. This is what happens when I'm tired. Continue. So this is the second most diverse family of butterflies with about 6,000 species okay. worldwide. And this species specifically found... I should have my computer like this all the time. <laughs> This is so easy. I digress. Yes. They are found in Southeast Asia and Australia. It is one of the largest species of lysanid butterflies in the world with a wingspan about 71 to 76 millimeters. Millimeters is not big. How, what is that in centimeters? Let's see. Uh, about seven. Okay. That's not that big. No. But these butterflies are small. If you see them, you'll see they're very small. Okay. Yes. And it has a unique life cycle compared to most other species of butterfly. When you smile like that, it makes me nervous. So eggs are laid on the underside of tree branches. Okay. 
Okay. Unlike other species of butterfly, they will lay it on several different species. Okay. As opposed to just a single species that they're dependent on. Okay. So the early stages of the caterpillar are not known because they have not been reported or observed. Oh. Um, but it is unknown what they feed on until their second molt. And it's suspected at this stage in their life cycle, they feed mainly on algae that grows on the trunk of the tree. That's based on some other closely related species in Africa. Um, but after the second molt, the caterpillar makes its way into an ant nest. Though it is unknown how they do this because it hasn't been observed. Okay. Yes. But um, unlike the Alcon, it does not have any kind of chemical defense to trick the ants. Okay. It has an incredibly thick carapace that is made of chitin. So they can't bite through it? Nope. It's impervious to ant bites. Wow. Yes. And ants will try to flip the caterpillar over to attack the soft underside, mm -hmm. but its legs are like suction cups and will hunker down the carapace so they can't lift it up. What does it get out of being in the ant's nest? We'll get to that. <laughs> when it gets hungry, <laughs> it will lift up part of its carapace, stick out its head, and grab an ant larva. Oh, snap. Yes, it's among the few species of carnivorous butterflies. That's crazy. Especially as a baby, it's doing this. Yes. Okay. And then when it grabs it, it pierces the larva with its mouth parts and sucks out the body fluids. Like a spider. Yes. Essentially, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it will continue to do this until it's full and can kill as many as 12 larvae in an hour. Oh my gosh, the poor ants. Yes. And then when it's done eating, it'll lower its carapace and just hunker down. <laughs> um, and it will also pupate under its carapace so it's protected when it's most defenseless. Okay. And then when it emerges, the ants will try to kill the freshly emerged butterfly. That makes sense. However, the butterfly has more defenses as well. Okay, its yeah. bodies and wings are covered in loose, sticky scales that, when the ants bite it, will clog up their mandibles. Oh. Yes. So then it will just walk its way out of the ants' While nest. And, to get their stuff yeah. Up. And then just walks out onto a branch where it can dry and inflate its wings, then flies off. And the adults have a vestigial proboscis, so it's completely not functional. Okay. So it's completely dependent on the food it. Uh, energy it gets from the food it ate as a larva to go out, find a mate, and lay its own eggs. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And then does it die like immediately? Yeah, after it has laid its egg. If it okay. runs out of energy because <laughs> it can't eat. Oh my gosh, that's so yeah. weird, Casey. Yes! It's cool! There were looking as caterpillars, though. Great, I have to find pictures <laughs> of all this. So is the fun thing is me having to try to find pictures of all these things. Yeah, you're probably gonna have to look up for the scientific name. Cool, great. Anyway, um, on point, Casey went with something weird and basically parasitic, and <laughs> I go with something beautiful. It's not parasitic; it's a predator. There's a difference. Either way, it's a dick. So. <laughs> um, anyway, I went with something beautiful, and mine is the pipe vine swallowtail. And it, its um, scientific name, I should say, is Batis philanor, is what I'm going to say. That is like a rich old baroness from Britain. <laughs> anyway, um, oh boy, I wish my computer was closer. All right. <laughs> they belong to the family Papillonidae. Yep. Yep, that's fun. That's part dog. 
Actually, I believe it's Papillonidae. Oh, I'm, I'm doing it like a papillon, like the fat spelling <laughs> is what it looks like. So that's what we're going with. Anyway, there are only about 560 species worldwide. They are native to North America. Woot woot. Range extends from Connecticut down to Florida. And as far west as Arizona. I've never seen these in Arizona, and I want nope. to. Um, there is also an isolated population in Northern California. Let's go see them. <laughs> uh, anyway. I love Northern California. It's so pretty. It is pretty because they get rain, but I don't want to live in that. Um, <laughs> also, populations in Mexico and Canada. So literally all of North America. Cool. Yes. Anyway, their wingspan is 72 to 132 millimeters. They are sexually dichromic species. Males have more indescence on their wings. Iridescence. Iridescence. Sorry, I can't read that from here. <laughs> Um, they have more iridescence on their wings, so this is one of those things where males are prettier. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and this species gets its name from the fact that its host plants are plants from the genus Aristotelia. Maybe? Aristotelia. Okay, I was close. Commonly known as pipe vines, hence the name. Um, these plants have compounds known as, oh boy, here we go again, Aristotelia acids, Aristotelic, I guess. Yeah. Acids. The pipevine swallowtail extracts these acids when they are larvae as they feed. And these chemicals are also transferred to the other life stages of the insect. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and these acids make the swallowtail unpalatable to some species of birds. So birds tend to avoid eating this species. That's amazing. You're like, I don't yeah. taste good. Yeah, a lot of butterflies do that. One of the most famous, the monarch. Mm -hmm. um, anyway. Okay, so these chemicals may be a deterrent to some parasitoids as well. Good job, butterfly. <laughs> Fuck those parasitoids. <laughs> Not okay with them. I um, love them. Nope. <laughs> this, is, this is my champion. Um, the wasp, uh-huh. Trogus penitor? <laughs> I need it to be closer. This is really hard. <laughs> just turn it to grandma font. I should. I should just do that. <laughs> Trogus penator is known um, to parasitize sorry, the larvae of papillonoid, papillonid, something <laughs> like that, um, butterflies. However, it has been observed rejecting the larvae of the pipevine swallowtail after examining them with their antenna. They're like, nope, nope, there's nastiness in here, don't want a piece of that. Anyway, these are beautiful. Like, a lot of butterflies are really beautiful. Monarchs are pretty, and, like, there's the, what's the blue one that's really pretty? Blue Morphos. Mm-hmm. But these are so pretty. There's also some called, um, there's a species called 88 butterfly. It looks like it has an 88 pattern. Yeah, we might be talking about them at some point, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Then there's also um, clear wings where they don't have the colored scales. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But these butterflies are so pretty, and they deter parasitoids. So 100% my favorite butterfly Sometimes they're just based on looks, which this was. Yeah. But finding that fact out about them makes me so happy. Um, so, yeah, those are our favorite butterflies. And that brings us to our animal of the week. And there's no... Oh, wait, wait. Nope. Nope. Just like how the males of my butterfly, the swallowed tail... Um, pipeline, pipe vine, excuse me, swallowtail, the males are prettier than the females. This bird species that we're not going to be talking about, <laughs> the males are prettier than the females, but it's part of the name of our animal of the week. <laughs> that was the 
stretch. A long stretch. And our animal of the week is... The peacock mantis shrimp. Yay, the peacock mantis shrimp. They pack quite a bunch. Yes, they Tell do. Tell us about them, Casey. Yes. So these guys come from the order Stomatopoda. Okay. Yes, not a particularly diverse group. There's only a little over 450 species. <laughs> I love a little over 450. Compared to beetles and stuff, I get it. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they come from the family Odontodactylidae. Okay. The species name is Odontodactylus. Scalaris. All right. These guys are found in the western and <laughs> found in the Western Pacific and Indian Ocean, primarily in the tropical waters. Not particularly long lived. They live for about four to six years. Okay. They're decent size, about eighteen centimeters. That's pretty good. Yes, but when you see them in person, it's much smaller. <laughs> okay. I've seen them, and it's like, wow! I thought you were going to be bigger. <laughs> That's rude. I'm. They zoom in so much on the documentaries. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> they are carnivorous species. They prey on hard-body invertebrates like gastropods, other crustaceans, and clams. Okay. Yes. They have also been observed eating fish, but predominantly they feed on other crustaceans. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the name is a misnomer since they are neither mantis, shrimp, nor peacock. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a peacock <laughs> that lives in the ocean, Casey. Yeah. That makes all of the sense. <laughs> the peacock part of the name refers to the bright color patterns. Yes. Um, females are also very pretty, but males tend to have a bit more coloration. Mm-hmm. The shrimp part comes from the fact that people like calling long slender crustacean shrimp. <laughs> Why couldn't it be a lobster? I don't know. <laughs> Which are actually more closely related to than shrimp. <laughs> Should be a mantis lobster. <laughs> And true shrimp belong to the order um, Decapoda. And as I mentioned, they're more closely related to crabs and lobsters than actual shrimp. Well, maybe shrimp. they do that because of the um, the pistol shrimp that I that mm-hmm. we talked about. Because they're kind of similar with their fanciness. So maybe yeah. like, that one's a true shrimp, so we'll call yeah. this one a shrimp. Okay. <laughs> He's like, all right, stretching it. Yeah. They are a benthic species that lives on the sediment of coral reefs. Okay. And they will dig U-shaped burrows underneath the corals. Okay. They spend their time there when they're resting and not out hunting. And they are primarily solitary and will only interact with each other when mating. Okay. And unlike most other marine invertebrates, mantis shrimp are predominantly monogamous, but have been observed mating with extra partners occasionally. (laughs) Gotta shake it up. Yes. After mating, the female will hold onto the sperm. Then she will release her eggs around the same time to fertilize fertilize them. Okay. She produces an adhesive substance that will hold the fertilized eggs together in a clump, and she will carry them around with her front appendages back to her burrow. <laughs> That's amazing. And she will take care of them there until they hatch, and she will not eat during this time. Wow. Yep. They have, and probably we're getting to the most famous part of the mantis shrimp. Mm-hmm. They have two front appendages they use to kill and break their prey. <laughs> Specifically break. <laughs> yes, because they have been modified to be like little clubs. Mm-hmm. And how they work is their muscles and tendons are like a spring mechanism creating tension. And then before releasing them, to, they release and it impacts their prey. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a punch. Yep. <laughs> it is one of the festive movements in the animal kingdom and can strike with its club 50 times faster than a human can blink. As I have to test it. 
That's crazy. That's like hummingbird wings. Yes. Yep. It mo It's moving at 20 meters per second. What? Yes. That's crazy. And the acceleration of the punch yep. is equivalent to a 22 caliber bullet. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yes. And it's so powerful, they can break a glass aquarium. Yep. <laughs> so if you ever see one in an aquarium, you know that it's acrylic, or else they would have broken it. <laughs> <laughs> or it's a new mantis shrimp, and you're going to have a yeah. lot of dead things soon. <laughs> yeah. And each strike actually delivers two impacts. Oh, didn't know that. Be being hit by the limb initially, and then after that, it, the impact creates what's called a cavitation bubble. Okay. And then this bubble explodes... And hits the prey again. Wow. <laughs> yes. Is that at all like the because it's, it's a, bubbles? Or is that no, that is because of the there's a cavity where there's a vacuum that gets formed. And yeah. this is from it's so fast sure. it heats the water, creates a bubble. Wow. <laughs> They're so cool. Yes. Now that's what I say is the layman person's fascination with it. Now the biology perspective okay. <laughs> on why they're so fascinating is they have the most complex eyes of any animal in the animal kingdom. Okay. They have two compound eyes that are made... I didn't know there was a picture. <laughs> in my notes. Okay. Yes. Um, but yeah, they have two compound eyes that are made up of tens of thousands of lenses each. Whoa. Mm -hmm. And each eye can move independently of each other like a chameleon, except they have a bit larger range of motion. That's crazy. Yes. And they have 16 photoreceptors that can detect different wavelengths of light. So they get ultraviolet and all that stuff? Yes. Ooh. For our comparisons, humans only have three. <laughs> wow. Yeah. As not only can they see visible light, but they can see into the infrared spectrum, as well as ultraviolet spectrum, and polarized light. What is that? That is where light interacts with particles. Oh. Now. Yes. The closest humans get to that is the polarized sunglasses that reduce glare. Okay. But how these animals see the world, we can't describe. But, like, what do they need all this for? We're getting to that. Okay. <laughs> we don't know why. <laughs> but we have some We're evidence. We don't know. We have evidence on potentials. Okay. <laughs> so, some evidence suggests that they use these different wavelengths of light as a form of communication. Okay. Yes. So it's possible that the males are showing off colors that we cannot see to the females okay, okay. during courtship, as well as displaying their status to show off to other males. Back, to, back off on yeah. the head. Yeah. Okay. And there are cameras that we develop. They don't tell us how they see, but we can see how um, ultraviolet can kind of sort of interact, not necessarily what it looks like with the different colors. Okay. It gives you somewhat of an idea, and it's much more complicated patterning um, on the shrimp. Even with already, it's very color That's variety insane. of colors. Why would yes. you need more? Communication. What? Sex I... is probably one of the main drivers. Generally, attracting a mate yes. or whatever, yes. But what, what other animal is closest to them? Or like in the, like <laughs> the almost close to them as far as complicated eyesight and seeing all this stuff? <laughs> no, I'll stop your head right now and go. Off the top of my head, not, I don't know of anything that has above five photoreceptors, and that would be butterflies. Okay. Interesting. And some other insects have that That's many. just crazy to me that they need it to be that complicated. Yeah. I feel like that's overcomplicated. Yes. And what's also cool 
is that um, another aspect is they sort of have these three specialized parts in each eye. Okay. So when they're moving independently, they have this strip where there's this overlap where 70% of the eye is looking at something in the distance. So they can have depth perception with just one eye. That's crazy. <laughs> yes. And because of this, they have sextopular vision where we only have binocular vision. So basically, you're going to have superhero powers from the animal kingdom, mantis shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> Though, because it's unsure whether or not they can distinguish between the colors okay. in the, that we can see. Okay. So there's probably much more complicated communication reliant upon those outside of the spectrum. Yeah. But you're so pretty. Yes. And we can't imagine what they actually look like <laughs> to the other mantis shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be crazy. I just want to like be able to step into it and see what it's mm -hmm. like sometimes. It'd probably like, blow your mind. Oh yeah. It'd just be like it's like you're not supposed to look at angels. Or anything. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And they're the only animals that can see circulatory polarized light. There's other insects that can see polarized light, but these guys are the only ones that we know can see circulatory. It's just so strange. Yes. It's so cool. That is very cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So excited with this. Well, yeah. Um, thank you, uh, friend, for suggesting the mantis shrimp. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, and of course me, I was like, they're pretty. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're pretty and they're cool. It's the punching thing. Uh, but um, that's crazy, man. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, no, I really got to work on but getting these in there better segues, man. There was a time to put this in and I, I missed it. Yeah. Um, Casey. <laughs> You and I were talking earlier how we enjoyed chocolate. Love of my life. Yes. What is a bear's favorite chocolate? Bear's favorite? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Cadbury eggs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which are delicious. I mean, yeah. I get it. They <laughs> should like those. Anyway. If you want to see a funny video, Google... John Oliver conspiracy theories because he does one on you know like Illuminati at like the end of certain conspiracy videos <laughs> he does this but with Cadbury eggs <laughs> it's hilarious I haven't watched that in so long uh, but anyway I'll have to mm -hmm. but that brings us to our challenge and we're doing this one first in case we suck at it again <laughs> today because we need to get this done <laughs> and then I have to get us a whole new bundle of animals for next season which is going to be fun uh, how many, how, three minutes? Is that what we've been doing? Lately? Yes. Okay, I think we can do it. I'm looking at like five. One minutes. of us is positive. <laughs> <laughs> One of us is optimistic. One All of right. us is a realist. I'm gonna go first. I think I, have right. more, I think I have more things. Are we ready? Yes. Let's do it. Go. Oh gosh, I can't open it. Oh, also referred to as a pill bug. Isopod. No. Rolly poly. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Is it the one I can't get? It? Yes. Why did you get that one again? I was hoping I'd get it. Why do you do this? <laughs> Pass it and we'll come back to it. Okay. Let me just put it off to the side. Oh, God. Yep. There we go. Oh, it's me. Duh. Because um, you're passing it. Or do you go? I don't know. You go. Okay, God. Okay. Okay. These are at the animal park. Um, they're, think of like kind of a color. They're like a dark reddish. And um, an eland is a, what type of? Animal? Antelope. Yes, okay. And it's um it it rhymes. I don't like I can do that. Um, the thing that you eat off of. A plate. No, the like the furniture. Table. Yes. Now switch the first letter. What? <laughs> They're really pretty. 
They hang Frank. out by the feeders. They're on the. They're in the African exhibit. Elon. No. They're not Elan. It it's that, an antelope. That word, yeah. Antelope. So it ends with that word. Table antelope? What? Okay, but no. Oh, sable. There you go. Good lord, woman. Okay. Okay. Not south, but... North. Description. American? No. Maybe just an adjective? What do you mean? To Turn it into an adjective. Oh, northern. Yes. Okay. It's a bird. Yellow. Northern it, canary. It's North America. North American canary. Okay. Um, Canadian canary. Northern. So we're playing poker. It's a what is it? You're a playing hand, with a deck of cards. Okay. A deck. You're playing the cards. Yes. Okay. That's first part of the bird. Cards. Yes. Um, a yellow card canary. Ugh. A northern yellow card canary. <laughs> this is also a military thing. No. My goodness. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> I've seen these it's in. Is yellow in the word? No. Oh. But that's the bird. It's yellow. Is it not a canary? No. Oh, shit. What is yellow besides a canary? A parakeet? A finch? I'm going to start naming birds. I don't think you're going to get it. Oh, no. This is the worst that's ever. That's it. We have to go back to that one. Okay. Um, okay. This was your stuff of nightmares. I have the banded sea crate, and you have this thing. It's from. Can I say that? It's from South America. South America. Mm-hmm. Stuff of nightmares. Mm-hmm. It was your. It was our, our stuff of nightmares thing. They're big. Big. I posted a picture of one on someone's arm. Oh, centipede. But what type? Vietnamese. Cent- no. no, giant centipede. Okay, but which area? Amazon. There we go. <laughs> okay, Dracula is a... Vampire. It's a little bird. Finch. Oh, yep. vampire finch. Yep. Okay, sorry. I just didn't say it all together. Okay. Oh this, gosh, is this is terrible. Okay, I don't think we're going to make nope. it. We're not going to make it. Oh, my God. We're going to have to do this next time because we just have to do it. No, keep it there. We have to do no, it. No, this is the one you got. Oh, you got one. <laughs> you got one. <laughs> you got four. <laughs> we have MVP here. Four left. Oh, my gosh. It's now we have all the difficult ones. So yeah. it's like impossible. This is the one I got. Okay. Yeah. Well, that didn't go great. Um, I guess we're doing this one next time because we have to get it done before the end yeah. of the season. Okay, cool. Well, thank you um, for joining us, folks. I hope you enjoy learning about cool butterflies. <laughs> Casey's so dejected. And pizzly and bears. And um, mantis shrimp. And mantis shrimp who are amazing and super cool. <laughs> and the fun of house sitting with bugs and surgery. So that's fun. <laughs> anyway, join us next time on episode 41, our second wild card. What's it going to be? Honestly, actually, I don't even know. I, I do. I, yeah, you do. I don't know what our animal of the week is. This week was a little different, or this month was different because we actually kind of chose, whereas usually we agree on things. And then, of yeah. course, we have our listener's choice, which we still have a listener's choice. You still get to choose it. Just going to put it out there. I came up with all the options, and mm-hmm. I'm basic in there. I think there are all mammals. Are, yes, they are. And they're all really cute, yep. guys. They're so cute. So I'm so excited for whatever anyone chooses because they're all awesome and so cute. And if we don't talk about them, then we're going to talk about them at some point. <laughs> anyway, just got to say that. But thank you for joining us for episode 40, and we will catch you on the next episode in a wild card month. As always, we're your host, Sally. And Casey. You have a great, fantastic, magorical week. Bye.